With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Jones! Barron! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four, and England have won the match. Hello, welcome back to the Analyst Inside Cricket after a couple of weeks where we've both been otherwise engaged. And lots to talk about, of course, in the cricket world. Lots been happening. We should start by saying it's only now just over three weeks to the start of the Ashes. It's also today, the 23rd of May, It's exactly 20 years since Jimmy Anderson took his first test wicket against Zimbabwe at Lords in 2003. Incredible. So we're going to focus on Anderson and Broad and their amazing performance and longevity over those years that they've been together with Jimmy, of course, now having celebrated 20 years as a test match cricketer. But Simon, I suppose we should start by saying, what have we been up to? What have you been up to? Well, I think what you've been up to, Jos, has been far more fun than what I've been up to in the last couple of weeks. Well, you've been you've been on holiday to Brazil. Goodness me, what was that like? It was amazing, and I've discovered a new sport actually, uh, the sport of foot volley. Any, know anything about that? No, go on. So it's a combination of volleyball and football, basically. Of course, it has to come from Brazil. Actually, I think Portugal also uh, uh, is quite good at it. But basically, it's volleyball courts on the beach. Great place to play volleyball, uh, but you play it with your foot and your head and your chest rather than your hands. Uh, and it's actually a brilliant sport. Uh, nice because it's mixed. You know, a lot of the times you see men and women playing together on the team. It's almost like a mixed doubles kind of affair. And uh, it's using every part of your body but your hands to get the ball back over the net. And, it, you know, it's a bit like those... Uh, sort of games you see in the park with three kids. I mean, my kids are always doing this. Three kids doing keepy-ups and using every part of their body apart from their hands to keep the ball alive in the air. And now it's just with a net as well. Uh, And they have little mounds of sand 
which they kick the ball from at the back of the of the of the court to get a a point going. So they do a little chip off a, a little tee, if you like, a sand tee to get the the point going. And then it's about using every part of your body. And there's some really good use of shoulders, chesting it up, knees as as well as feet. Of course, the Brazilian skill footwork uh, comes to the fore with this sport. But I predict in 10 years, it'll be in the Olympics. <laughs> Did you have a go? No, I'm useless. <laughs> uh, I, and I'm just not quite kind of dexterous enough on the field or whatever the opposite of the sort of foot version of dexterousness is. I'm just not nimble enough to, to play it. But I, I will have a go in the future. I mean, obviously, being on a beach, being on sand as well mm. adds to the complexity of it. And I think it's a really good f sport for fitness, actually, because you've got to move around quickly. You've got to, you know, use you've got to be quite flexible and do kind of back heels over your head and things like that. But it's it's great to watch. And actually, some of the great Brazilian footballers of the past turn up and take part and draw quite a crowd. Mm, I bet they're pretty good at it as well. What's it called again? Foot volley. Foot volley. Yeah. Well, I don't think I would have been able to do much foot volley in the last a couple of weeks because I've had a hip replacement operation. So I've been hobbling around like an 80 year old. I'm, I'm actually I'm, it, it, the first time in my life. I feel as if I'm sort of coming down in age per day. So, you know, you start off feeling about 85 and then 80 and then gradually uh, day by day, you take a, take a year off. So I'm, I'm hoping it just keep on going, actually. And I'll end up being feeling about 35 again. Anyway, it's not been the most fun uh, week and a half, no, but no, hopefully... But, but you'll get better. And, and I'll tell you one thing. Uh, so we're now not only joined by our Christian names, but also by the fact that we've got new hips. Uh, <laughs> they set off the uh, x-ray machines at, at airports because leaving Brazil a couple of days ago... Um, I had nothing in my pockets, <laughs> you know, nothing at all that could set a, a machine off. And I went through the, the archway, you know, off went the alarms. And they said, turn out your pockets, nothing in my pockets. Have you got a belt on? No. Have you had a hip replacement? Yes. Ah, that's it. <laughs> OK, well, talking about geriatrics, yours brings us nicely on to Jimmy Anderson and Stuart Broad, doesn't it? O only only kidding. But, I mean, they're, they're still going. And, and Jimmy Anderson, yeah, 20 years ago today that he took his first test match wicket. He bowled Mark Vermeulen, took five for 73 against Zimbabwe in his, his first test innings, not for 65 in the second innings. Who was in that England team then? Who was in that England team 20 years ago that Jimmy Anderson was playing with? And this just puts it into context, actually, doesn't it? When you look back who he was playing with, who have we got? We've got uh, Marcus Truscothic, we've got Michael Vaughan, Mark Butcher made 100. Uh, Rob Key, look where he is now. Nasser Hussein. Alec, Alex Stewart. Anthony McGrath. Ashley Giles. Steve Harmison. And Matthew Hoggard. So those were his teammates back in 2003. And Jimmy, who was at the start of his career, now that... Um, Interesting haircut back then. He is still going, and he's got 685 Test wickets. So he's got. A, you'd think he's got a pretty good chance, wouldn't you, of, of going to 700 uh, this summer? 15 wickets. Um, it's unlikely. I think he even he admits this. It's unlikely that he's going to play every Test match uh, this summer. He's played 179 games in all. Um, it's a phenomenal achievement. He's had this groin problem. It doesn't seem to be too serious and we've had the news this morning that Ollie Robinson, who had this ankle problem over the weekend, 
uh, that he is okay. And that's a big sigh of relief, I think, for England because he feels as if he's going to be a, a crucial bowler. But but Jimmy, uh, Yoz, that's who we're talking about at the start of this podcast today. And, and, you know, just looking down that team, you know, of the other players uh, that you mentioned there, and the last of those players that was still playing was Marcus Truscothic. And he retired now, four years ago, 2019, from first-class cricket. Of course, he didn't play on in test cricket after 2006 when he went home early from that tour of, of India and Alistair Cook took his place. So it just shows, you know, Jimmy's incredible longevity to be able to sustain, you know, the performance over, over that period and, and, and fitness. And I, I actually, I did an interview with uh, Stuart Broadfield, the, the podcast series, which you and I have been part of, uh, which is coming out in a couple of weeks' time, Legends of the Ashes, voiced by Stephen Fry. And uh, you look out for that on the Global Podcast Network. And um, We're going to hear a clip from um, from Stuart Brawl from the interview he did for that series in a bit. But, uh, you know, one of the things he said, uh, Stuart, uh, was that looking at his, his career, uh, sort of age only 36, he's done, I think, 5,400 overs in test cricket which is over 30,000 balls. And I've done a little bit of calculating of what that means to your body. And uh, it means that he's put through his body something like 25 to 30,000 tonnes through his leg, leg and, and foot because you put six or seven times your body weight through your legs every time you bowl. So that is equivalent to you know quite a big boat. And he's worked out that that means he's also run right across China in the England cause. <laughs> so that's just Stuart Broad. Just imagine how far Jimmy has run. He's run across China and half of Russia in, in the, the cause of England and probably put 40,000 tonnes through his leg and ankle. So it's an extraordinary story, actually. And all right, he's, he's had a bit of a niggle. And of course, actually, that happened in 2019 as well. And he was out of the series after four overs. And Broad had to take on his uh, his mantle. And I think that's one of the reasons why they've been so, so successful. And uh, it, they explore this story in a way in the podcast series. Uh, there's, a, there's one episode which is called Doing It in Pairs. And there's a big focus on Broad and Anderson as a pair and how they work as a partnership and how they sort of dovetail and, and back each other up and support each other and compensate for each other as well. Um, let's just hear a bit from Jimmy first because... I interviewed him, you know, two or three years ago about his evolution. And one of the things that's kept him going is just the desire to keep improving. My whole career, I've just tried to learn. And, um, you know, I found the first, say, five years pretty tough when you want to be learning the art of bowling. But at the same time, I had action problems. I was working on it. I had injury problems. Um, so that sort of takes away your focus from the skills that you want to learn. Um, which I found pretty difficult. But then once I got over that, then, you know, I've been able to just give my full attention to the to the skills that I want to use. Um, and I think that's... And then I've just learned um, also the sort of game management of when to use those sort of deliveries and, and um, on, on different sorts of surfaces as well, which has really helped. Ever since I learned how to swing the ball is I've always kept that seam position and... Um, I think that stood me in good stead over the years, even through the difficult times with my action and things like that. I'm constantly working on it as well. Still, still even, now. Yeah, even in practice, just 
seeing if there's things I can do, whether, you know, just tilting it slightly one way or the other will make it swing more or less. Uh, and, you know, in conditions where it's hooping around corners, you, you might want one to still look like an outswinger but doesn't do as much and they're the sorts of balls that you get the edge with. And So just trying to tinker around with things like that. So, of course, Broad and Anderson uh, in recent history, just at the beginning of this year, overtaking the great partnership of McGrath and Warren, their 999 wickets, uh, has been overtaken, of course, by Anderson and Broad. And and Broad, you know, is fascinating. He was a, a great admirer of, of Glenn McGrath as a young bowler and almost can't believe the fact that he's now, with Jimmy, overtaken that incredible partnership in terms of wickets taken. And... One of the things he says is that there's been a, a sort of lift to him, a rejuvenation for him, if you like, has been the advent of Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes taking over the reins at, at the top of the of the Test match game for England. How their positive approach generally has rubbed off on both Broad and Anderson, and how that relationship works. Communication is has been everything to us, and we have times, you know, we've got a bit of a joke thing that uh, in the mornings when we have breakfast and we're both tired, you know, you know that feeling of day three or day four and you've been in the field for 120 overs and you're a bit sore and your toes cut and, you know, we have times where we'll just, we'll decide, right, we're going to, we're almost going to be uh, not fake positive, but like super positive about everything. So we'll get in the car and drive to the ground and be like, oh, what a beautiful day. How nice is this city? Wow, look at that. How good is this coffee? And we just do it about everything. And it leads us into the day because it, you know, the, it's sort of positive talk, but almost taking the mick. But um, it, it just sort of sets us up if we're feeling particularly tired because there's no doubt that if you walk into a change room, if you're feeling tired and you walk into a change room and you go, I'm tired, someone else is going to go, yeah, I actually feel quite tired too. But actually, if you if you go in with positive energy, you do lift the the group around you, and that's something that you know Baz and Baz and Stokes here just natural at. They're so so naturally positive. You know, Baz can see Baz can Baz can see the positive in anything, any situation, which has been great to be around. And actually, he doesn't really accept any negativity around the group. You know, so uh, it's been it's quite fun when Jimmy and I go into those modes only between each other, but. Um, you know, it's like if you've done a lot of bowling, sometimes you just need to put on a, a fake smile. <laughs> yes, or, or yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, Baz said to me once, um, I just want to get my team. This is when he was captain of New Zealand. I just want my get, get my players to imagine they're 11 years old and they're woken up in the morning, know they're going to play cricket and they open the curtains and it's clear blue sky and you're excited for the day. And he said, I... I want to try and impart that in my team, my New Zealand team, which was 2015. And I suppose that's that's been his sort of ongoing mantra ever since, really. Um, so, you know, trying to put a smile. I mean, Jimmy Jimmy looks a grumpy sod on the field. What would tell us what he's like, really? Yeah, he's grumpy sod. Yeah, he's um, he's. Uh... He's incredibly competitive. That's his number one strength. He's um, probably the most competitive person I've seen, bar Joss Butler, in in any sport that he plays. Uh, but he's very driven. Um, he's an addict to cricket, to be honest. He's uh, an addict to training, an addict to getting better, uh, improving all the time. And I think that's showing now. He's 40, and I think he's probably bowling better now than he was four years ago. So... It's, he's an incredible testament to the to himself and the game, and he's probably grown as much in the past year as as anyone with Baz and Stokesy taking over. The 
constant positive reinforcement. Well, Stuart's been ticking over this summer, 15 wickets in his four championship matches. Not you know, amazing returns. Jimmy Anderson's taken uh, 16 wickets. I, I noticed on on Saturday when he was playing at Trent Bridge, he was had half an ear, well, hard not to actually, on what was going on at the city ground, 200 yards over the road where Nottingham Forest were playing against Arsenal and uh, there was a... A goal early on for Nottingham Forest and the, the roar, you could hear it. Of course you could, you could hear it at Trent Bridge. And I think Stuart Broad was, was celebrating as well at the, at the same time. You, you, sort of, you, you almost feel as his, his heart would have been at the city ground rather than at Trent Bridge on Saturday. He, so he's ticking over. Uh, Jimmy Anderson, I've got to come back from this groin uh, injury. Robinson fit, which is good news. Matthew Potts has been taking wickets for Durham, who've been going really well in the Championship. Chris Wokes has been... T- uh, taking wickets as well. Haven't seen anything of of Mark Wood, and then you know you look at some of the other England players. Well, no one's been scoring any runs, have they? Really? Well, the Australians have been churning them out. Well, I mean, it was another weekend where the Australians were churning them out. Cameron Green, first IPL hundred. Warner's gone past five hundred runs in the IPL. Labuschagne, big hundred for Glamorgan. Steve Smith making 89. He's only had three innings, actually. It's interesting, isn't it? You'd think he's, you know, he's going to have these three games. He's only had three innings, 3, 30 and 89. He's probably hit uh, about 3,000 Ma- balls in the nets. <laughs> well, he probably has. Marcus Harris scoring at 100 for Gloucestershire, carrying his bat. Just on Steve Smith, I, I reckon... Oh, only, I reckon only one of those three were out. The, the English umpires are doing the, doing the England team quite good service, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, there's a couple, a couple of marginal ones. I, th- I thought it looked as if the Smith one in the Glamorgan match might have been hitting him outside the line. It was difficult to tell on the, on the video that I saw. And James Harris with the wicket, who is going to be in the virtual cricket club, isn't he, uh, next week, the, who is the chairman of the PCA? Yeah, that's right. And he's, he's coming on as our guest at WBCC... Dot com world's best cc.com so you can join us for that live interview with James Harris next week and uh, you know Steve Smith actually I spoke to him funnily enough after the dismissal at Worcester when he was given LBW against I think it was Josh Tung and yep. uh, he's I said I looked a bit marginally went well yeah you know maybe it's outside the all line all batters think all batters do I mean I, yeah I thought he was a bit but he he, he certainly didn't complain and he, mm. he made about 30 I think that innings didn't he yeah. and it's it's interesting in a way. I, I mean, again, going back to this podcast series I've done uh, about the Legends of the Ashes, um, the, the the odd comparison, the uncanny comparison between Bradman and Smith, which has been done many times before, not just on a statistical basis, but also on a, a technical basis, the way that they play, they play. Because Bradman, and I mean, this isn't a, a sort of widely known fact that until 1937. You couldn't be out LBW, and just just listen to this carefully. You couldn't be out LBW if the ball pitched outside off stump. And Bradman worked that out, or he knew, you know, from the young age, how to utilise that by using his pads as a second line of defence. So an average right-arm bowler, to hit the wicket regularly, will normally pitch the ball a bit outside off stump. I mean, okay, if you pitch the ball on off stump, it might also hit, say, middle and leg. But quite often, a ball pitching on off stump on a length will miss the wicket. It will go down the leg side from right arm over because of the angle. I'm not saying all the time, but quite often. 
So to, to guarantee the ball hitting the stumps from right arm over, you will often have to pitch the ball outside off stump. So therefore, Bradman, using his pads as a second line of defence, was able to go back and across, as Smith does very regularly, and hit balls off the stumps through the leg side, knowing he couldn't be out of BW if he missed them because his pads are there as his second line of defence. And he was only out three times LBW in his first 52 test innings. And two of those occasions, he made 160 and 220. And Smith has used some of the same psychology, perhaps uncannily and accidentally so, to auto-utilise. Obviously, the LBW law is now different. And you can be out LBW if the ball pitches outside off some provided you're hit in line. But he's so good at reading the line and getting the, the pads outside the line so that if he does miss it, he's quite often outside the line of the off stump and doesn't get given LBW, except in England, in county cricket. <laughs> yeah. I, there was a, uh, someone missing from my list as well of Australian run scorers over the weekend. Michael Nisa, of course, scored 100 as well. So, and it's a question of you know, what sort of part he's going to play in the Ashes. It may well be that he does play some sort of part in the Ashes. It depends on the fitness of, of some of the bowlers. Uh, Josh Hazelwood, I, you know, I mentioned Josh Hazelwood. He, he, didn't, he hasn't bowled very much in the IPL. He did leave early. But they say, you know, he's he's fit and he is coming over. But there must be a bit of a question mark. He's only bowled nine overs, I think, this year in the, in the middle. So, you know, it may be that he's fresh and, and, and ready to go and, and, and nice and fit. But there's got to be a question mark there. But, they, you know, they, there is a bit of backup, I suppose, uh, with Nisa. He's been playing a lot of county cricket and, and doing it successfully. I, I can't um, just move on from this without just noting, you know, what I love about the the build-up to the Ashes is, is just those little comments that you just hear from players. And, you know, we, we've talked about this a little bit before. You know, Stuart's weighed in, hasn't he? He said, well, the 2000 and the, well, the last Ashes series in Australia, well, I think that was null and void, really, because of COVID, <laughs> which I think has got up the nose of the Australians. Ollie Robertson saying, yeah, I think, you know, we expect to give them a bit of a bit of a thrashing. And then Mitchell's start the other day, I just noticed a comment from him uh, just you know, it's, it's just a sort of an aside. Yeah, what are they? What are they going to do when they're five for fifty? You know, this uh, this whole sort of basball approach. Of course, and I thought about that. Well, they'll probably just keep on attacking, and they 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 were basically five for fifty. In fact, even worse, weren't they? At Headingley last year against New Zealand, I think they were what I don't know six for seventy or something like that, or seventy for six. Let's actually get the score the right way round, not the incorrect way that the Australians use it. Uh, and then we had that partnership. Uh, between Overton and Johnny uh, Johnny Bairstow, which you know took the game in England's favour. So yeah, they'll they'll presumably England will just attack if they're five for fifty or seven for fifty or eight for fifty, whatever. Uh, but I mean, I sort of do take Mitchell Stark's point, uh, and, and and you know it, it, it is not going to be easy for England to take on Australia. I think in the same way that they've taken on some of the other sides. But w what we are forgetting, Yoz, of course, is you know we're talking about the Ashes, but there's an England-Ireland Test match coming up, and there's also the World Test Championship coming up as well. Now the IPL is coming to an end, and you know the focus for India very shortly is going to be on the the World Test Championship final. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So talking of, you know, cricket, Ashes, World Test Championship, we should also mention there's the women's Ashes coming up as well and in that regard we've now launched as you may have noticed a, a women's cricket podcast as well hosted by Melissa Story and Nikki Chowdhury so look out for that as well it's called Storylines some of you may have already heard a, a couple of episodes they discussed the women's game in great detail both of them steeped in cricket both on the field and off it as well as commentators so look out for that podcast Storylines the women's cricket show and uh you mentioned the world test championship yeah that's coming up on the 7th of june between australia and india at the uh, at the keir oval before that england play ireland and before that we've got this week the finals of the ipl so the playoff teams have now been established and what i think is quite interesting about the ipl in a way compared to say english football the premier league is that any team that doesn't make the playoffs in the IPL doesn't suffer financially because there's no relegation. Whereas there are there are football clubs and their supporters on tenterhooks this week and next with relegation battles up and down the country. Yeah, well, that, that's true, isn't it? Um, you, you, you'd say that the fans are on, on tenterhooks, of course, because they, you know, they want to play in the Premier League. It's not the end of life if you go down to the Championship because teams can come straight back up again, as Burnley did and Sheffield United were well, one season down in the Championship and they've come back. Uh, this season as well, so it's it's not the end, but there's a sort of precariousness about it, and you know, you, it's not just the fans though; it's the it's the the chairman, isn't it? The the chairman of the clubs, the financial officers. You know, the, what what are the financial implications of, of going out of the Premier League? You you do get parachute payments to help you, which does actually create quite an uneven contest in the Championship. And I know a lot of Championship clubs are unhappy about it until, of course, they get in the Premier League, and then they probably want to keep the parachute payments because that means they'll get them. You know, if they get relegated, so. So the IPL model is very different, and in a way, they are they are sort of compared, aren't they? Because each game is worth so much money. The IPL is worth, you know, each IPL game is worth. I don't, was it something like fifteen million, twelve million, yeah, something, 12, whatever it 12 is, million dollars, and, and just, yeah. you know, the Premier League about ten million each game. So there's a sort of you can look at it in that sort of comparable way there. Yes, but I mean, the point I would say is that there's there's so much more financial risk yeah. in the Premier League. Mm. Because you really don't know if your team is going to survive. I suppose you do if you're, you know, Man United, Arsenal, Chelsea, etc. But a lot of those lower, lower teams in the lower part of the division are, you know, in a precarious state, both playing-wise and. But is that good for sport, though, Yoz? Is that good? I mean, the fact I that there's no well, consequence I... for, you know, I mean, Punjab Kings, for example, have had a terrible history in the IPL. They've never really been yeah. very successful. RCB, the same. Yeah. And yet, there's no real, well, there's no real consequence for that. Well, well, 
Well, I, th- I think it, 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 that may be so, but I mean, these are professional sports teams that have to survive, whatever sport you're talking about. And look at the, the state of English rugby, for instance, where sides like Worcester and Wasps have gone bust because of the fact there is relegation in the Premier League in, in rugby. And look at the precarious nature of football finances. A lot of clubs, I mean, I, I don't know how many clubs in, say, the Premier League actually make a profit, but it's not that many. And many of them are, you know, their balance sheets are very, very uh, on a knife edge, if you like. And they rely on that that Premier League input, input from the, the media rights. So and, and as a result, you know, investment is is also a, a little bit uncertain. You get some clubs that are lucky. They've got very rich benefactors. But even those rich benefactors are looking around thinking, you know, is this investment really sensible? Whereas in the IPL, the, those investors are absolutely secure, knowing that their income is consistent every year, regardless of how the team perform. And that encourages more investment, which in the end gets, you know, paid down to the players and all the support staff and, and the team in general. So it creates a financial stability, which a lot of the other sports like football and rugby don't enjoy. Yeah, as, and as long as the, the punters in India keep on in, investing in it, as long as they keep on turning up and watching it, and then they, they have done in their huge well, numbers this season. They, they? they have, yeah. and, and the key to it is, in, 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 in this sense, is, is that to, to enable a, a little bit of uncertainty in who does eventually win. And look at the table, uh, a lot of teams on, you know, 12 and 14 points, not much difference between, say, eighth and third, and uncertainty until the last couple of games about who, which teams would qualify. Well, that is perfect for the TV audience and the, the general perception of the tournament being one that you don't know really who's going to win until right at the end. Well, that's going to keep... The, the the a the turnstiles turning and the TV revenue coming yeah, in. Yeah, it's probably disappointing for the you know the, the 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 media rights holders in the Premier League that the Manchester City Arsenal um, conflict or, or or clash if you like is not going to the last day of the season. You know, City have won the title or there's enough in the relegation battle to to keep it going. In in the IPL, I mean, I don't I don't know how how this has happened really, how it's even possible. But all seventy matches were live. You know, there was no, there were no dead games. Uh, it seems incredible, actually, when you have got four teams qualifying in a in a ten team league. But it, that's that's how it worked out. That uh, what? So you mean you mean even the last couple of yeah, games? Yeah, there, there were no dead had games. A bearing on yeah, the players. There were no dead games because of, uh, you know, okay, there were teams who were out playing in games, but they were playing against teams who still had something to play for. So there were there were no dead games. And what you have got in the IPL is you you this in terms of qualification is you've got the new firm. And the old firm have, have qualified. Mumbai Indians and Chennai Super Kings, the two powerhouse teams, are qualified, and and also the two new teams, Guj- Gujarat Titans, are qualified, and and Lucknow Super Giants as well. To the great relief of their investors, who spent respectively nine hundred and sixty mm. and six hundred and eighty million buying. The yeah, teams. but I thought you said that didn't of course, matter. I thought you said didn't you? no. I I, <laughs> I knew you'd say that. Of course, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. But still, as an owner. Having put all that money into your team, you want to see success. Mm. Uh, we've seen some, st- I mean, stunning performances as well over the weekend. I mean, Shubman Gill outshone Coley two hundreds in a row from Coley. You know, superb innings, but Shubman Gill tr- trumped him. The innings he played on Sunday was absolutely phenomenal at Chimaswamy. Whip crack timing, 
you know, they they call Cody the king and they call Gil the prince, don't they? I mean, he, he's he's thought the next thing. I think he looks a tremendous player. Whether you know, whether after playing in the IPL on you know white ball cricket for two months, suddenly he's got thrust into the World Test Championship at the Oval uh, remains to be seen. How he gets on there, but he's he is a he does look a tremendous well, he's certainly a tremendous white ball player, and he's also had, obviously he's had some success in red ball cricket as well. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, and, and I'm looking forward to that uh, test match, actually. It comes up on the 7th of June at the Kier Oval, as I said, Australia in India. I'm going to be working on that, actually providing the analysis for the ICC coverage. And I'm looking forward to it because, you know, it's two very culturally different teams, isn't it? Uh, both at the top of their game and on a neutral venue, which is quite an unusual thing. So be fascinating to see how that turns out. Right, from the sublime to the ridiculous... Let's hear some stories from club cricket and here's Noughts. So this is our club and village section, which we paused actually for a few weeks, partly because of the weather actually. It hasn't been much village or club cricket, I know, because of terrible rain over the sort of spring period but I know you've all started playing now and so we wanted to retouch base with Richard Norton, Norts, our esteemed producer on the World's Best Cricket Club and and find out what your season has brought so far, Norts. So tell us us what your experiences have been so far. A couple of games, a couple of uh, interesting uh, video uh, evidence of of matches as well. Well yeah it was a bit grim wasn't it though just prior to the season uh but uh, personally, it's up and running our village cricket. Obviously, you have one's own team and that, and we can come to that in a minute. But I always love uh, more than anything now because of the sort of uh, profligation of like video content on whatever social media platforms one enjoys. But you can see so much of this stuff online. And of course, what tends to happen online is you get to see maybe the you see what what puts the village into village cricket, don't you? You never see content of people blazing beautiful cover drives, do you? Or some standing bit of bowling where the ball swings like a banana, do you? No, you always see the, you see the worst. And it's funny, isn't it? Terrible oh, matches, terrible runouts, everything like that. So, of course, now that cricket's up and running, there's been some absolute dynamite village antics to watch. Okay, give us some examples then. Um, I saw a fantastic... I've seen already... Uh, Tell a London tease. Can't think of the top there that it was. There's one where the, I think the scenario was uh, it was one. It's last ball of the match, one to win. Uh, batsman takes a huge. He didn't need to just nudge it, mate. He takes a huge clonk at it. The ball goes straight up in the air. It's being filmed, I presume, by the square leg umpire. Uh, I'd like to talk about filming on cricket pitches. Actually, after we do this, it goes up in the air. You don't, you don't know where the boys, but you realise that it's gone up in the air. The keeper calls for it. He steadies himself like a real pro, like he's proper Test match quality keeper. It's mine. I've got it. He's done all the right things. He's called. His gloves are red. <laughs> I'm laughing about. And then the ball comes down, and he's literally wherever he's put his hands on the arc of that ball coming down, he's so far out, and you just see it plop a good four foot from where he's standing. And there's a fielder just coming into shot. And you can see the guy kind of great, his, his agony of the draw that's been snatched from like uh, victory. It wouldn't be it would defeat. But then he's got that thing. It's village. You go and sort of like put a, a, he does put a sort of pat on the back of the poor keeper. who's obviously in pieces at that point. 
but it's just it is because it's it's a beautiful little tiny bit of cinema because it's it's dramatic and then it's fast at the end. And hopefully the bat batters actually remember to run because sometimes oh yeah they they set up in the air you stand in sort of no they've gone they're they're, they're, they're much more focused they've gone because then you also you also hear which is one of those beautiful things that like you can hear from the distant boundary, the shouts of excitement from the t- the winning side as they, what at first they thought, Oh no, he's blown it. It's all that all it all encapsulated in what 15 seconds of video content. So I was thinking about this because um, obviously you see these clips. So it's obviously umpires. And um, what tends to happen in village cricket, of course, uh, is that, you know, you tend to umpire sometimes, don't you? you, you yeah, there's 11 v 11. There aren't space. There aren't, um, other people in in the what called friendly games so you umpire and um so obviously the, the thing now is it is it is it etiquette if you want to film it because it's a great place to film isn't it as umpire whether you're at the bowler's end or at square leg is it etiquette that you have to sort of ask the opposition is it okay if i just press my f- camera on my phone and just hold it because you are still watching the game aren't you or is it a no-no i don't i i haven't really thought about that as a as a um what do you call it as a as a, as a cricketing issue. What bit of etiquette? You mean, what do you mean that you've got to ask each player for their permission, whether you're allowed oh, to... No. Well, there is that as well. You could go and say, well, back release form, sort of stuff like that. I'm just saying the very fact that you say, is it okay for me to be throwing this piece of action as opposed to actually concentrating where your foot is, Mr. Bowler? Or did that ball strike the pad outside the line of our stuff? Oh, sorry, mate. I wasn't looking. I was watching I was watching it on my phone. But you could play it back, couldn't you, for sort of... Yeah. Yeah, you could. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you could play it back, and I can see that happening more and more because you know you can clip the phone to your pocket uh, or your you know your collar or whatever, and just let it run, and then you are going to get bowlers who say W denied and go, I want to see that again, and so I claim that's out. Here's one for you then. So uh, on Sunday at, at one point when I was uh, playing, I ended up at square leg doing a bit of umpire. It's absolutely fine. And um, we had a player, he's a bit slow on his running. He kind of, he goes for a run. He sort of takes the commitment. I'll go for a run. Will he make it? Depends how quickly the fielder gets the ball in, right? It's almost like he's, he's like sacrificing himself. I need the run. Will you get me? He was quite close to the crease, right? And it would have been tight. When the ball came in from the uh, fielder, the wicketkeeper was completely blocking my view of the stumps. So when they appealed, there was no possible way I could give him out. I knew that the stumps were broken when he had moved away, but by that time the guys well passed the creek. I so they said they said how's that? and the game was over. But to be honest, at that point anyway, because we won easily, but we were going to win easily. Uh, is was that the right thing? I'd have to think about my cricket etiquette. There was that the right. I can't give an I can't give a decision because there's no way for me to see the stumps. Hmm. So you've got to assume that he took it cleanly and. And whip the bales off, I suppose. But I mean, it's interesting. Well, isn't I it? didn't. I didn't assume that. No, I, no, assume, no, I know. That, that, I know that's what you're saying. But I mean, it's an interesting uh, development, isn't it? That you know, cameras are now much more prevalent on the field, and as in mobile phones. I mean, you know, mobile phone cameras. And I, I guess actually, it might solve ultimately the constant controversy of having player umpires who are totally biased in favour of the batting team. Uh, by having uh, an impartial, which is the camera, perhaps that will solve some of those, uh, you know, incidents where someone is blatantly out and given not out by their by their own umpire. And, and how have your um, how have your games gone? Well, I don't want to say I, I don't. You know, let uh, let yourself, Simon, let your esteemed listeners judge. Okay, but 
Axbridge have been very lucky. Three weekends have passed. Three games for cricket have happened in pretty good weather. I didn't play the first game because of other activities I had to do on the day. So I played my first two Sundays of the season. Uh, both wins. Both remarkably easy wins. Perhaps like what's happened to cricket in 2023 when Axbridge ride to relatively untroubled victories. Both occasions we found ourselves in the field and I always think, would I put myself, if I was skipper, would I put us in the field? i much rather get runs on board, scoreboard pressure and all that. I always think a team that goes in the field when they're, um, uh, when they win the toss, uh, are possibly saying we're not good enough to, I don't know what they're trying to say. But anyway, we've done that. Two wins, both kind of similar really, vis-a-vis we've put a side in, they've got into the low hundreds and then we've kind of knocked it off with relative ease for very few wickets. I think we've had a, I think we had a, a nine wicket win and a seven wicket win. Possibly six. No, it was seven. Whatever. And, and uh, personally, oh, and how's that? Sweep, how's the sweep going that you've been? I haven't. Believe it or not. Believe it or not. Uh, having gone, having requested no longer to be that uh, that Joss Butler. Or like uh, his oppo at the overhead, the assault man at the top of last season. That was my that was my plan last year. I'm now I now find myself in a, a, a mid innings finisher role, <laughs> uh, and I haven't had to bat yet, disappointingly, because we've lost so few weeks. But I have both. I took a wicket with my second ball of the season, and it was delicious. Really, it's the best of all wickets. I think if you're like um, you know, in my youth, I'd have been a a medium fast, whereas I'm just a sort of medium medium. The best of all wickets is the guy who goes to drive you. A little bit of, of the wind blowing from right to left just gives the ball a bit of shape. They do their drive. A beautiful feather straight into the keeper's gloves. I think that's the most satisfying dismissal as a as a medium-paced bowler. That oh, when I, they go I disagree. Drive, I, I think no? you know, you've got to say knocking the stumps out, surely. And and but basically, if you can't, if you haven't got, quite got the pace... That to knock the stumps out, just make sure that you get some water and water the stump holes before the game. Don't show the grounds when you're doing it. Just water those stump holes so they're a bit wobbly and then make sure you get the ball to hit high-ish up the stump. Get the stump revolving, catapulting out of the, out of the crease. That's I'm it. not sure with the, the season. That's the best feeling. I'm not sure with the season I've seen some other pitches. One other thing, which has actually played into me bowling. So I bowl very tightly. Surprised Mr. Hughes so far. Two spells of bowling. We only take that one wicket. I haven't really gone for many. I'd say the pitches down Somerset have been a bit low bouncy, a little bit okay. very hard to go big, hence these rather small scores. But going back to saying that, yeah, I reason I say that the behind the stumps cut, I'd say the majority of my village cricket dismissals of bowler have been bowled. I think it's quite rare at your esteem level, obviously as a pro, snicks and slip catches are more forever. I'm always very thrilled when there's a behind the stumps catch. That's whether it's keeper or you know, if you're deemed to have a slip. Don't sure I've got the pace for that anymore. Do you know what I mean? Stumps is to me the common dismissal at village cricket. And another thing I did see talking about umpires at the week. I've never seen this in a village cricket game before. Uh, we had one of the opposition umpires. Obviously, they were doing their umpiring their team. The guy, the first guy umpiring, gave I think the first three uh, dismissals for their side. He gave them all that LP. His finger was out. I've never seen it like it. He's like, yeah, yeah. And like, you know, we play a village side. They tend to, the opposition tend to stack their best players up top, don't they? And we had, a, we had the, all three of them back in the hutch with less than 40 on the innings. And we were like, this is very interesting. And as a, none of them seemed particularly keen on his decisions. Mm. I think he adopted, if it hits the pad, I think that's what he thought the rule was. If the ball strikes pad, that's out. 
Actually, we were talking earlier on the podcast about the English umpires doing uh, English cricket a bit of a service by firing out Steve Smith a couple of times for LBW. So uh, umpires striking back all over the place, which is good to see. And Axbridge, are they in a league? Are all these matches basically friendlies? No, all friendlies. play midweek friendlies. We play Sunday friendlies. Uh, and remember a few weeks, months back, we talked about recruitment and all that. Ours has been pretty good, actually. We went to a little micro recruitment campaign around sort of area Somerset and we brought some new players in. So there are out there. They are out there. Find your local club. Give it a go. Yeah. OK, well, that, that sounds good news. And maybe the, the, the McCullum, Stokes, Spazball kind of era has, uh, has encouraged more people to take up the game. So that's mm. exciting to hear. OK, great. Nort, thanks for your time. We'll follow that's your awesome. progress uh, with, with interest through the next few weeks. And by the way, you mentioned that you've been put into the field a couple of times. I love the story from our sister podcast, Storylines, the, the women's cricket show, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, from Melissa's story saying that one of the ways she comes to the decision to to bat first as captain is because she's got a nice lunch pack and she doesn't want to have to be in the field and wait until about two and a half hours later to eat her nice chicken and, and bacon wrap. So you know, often the reason why she decides uh, her team to bat first, having prodded the pitch, is because she's got a nice lunch waiting for her so she can sit in the pavilion and eat that uh, and wait while her, her teammates rack up a, a good score and then she can eat her lunch in peace so wise and so young yeah absolutely so look out for that podcast that'll be the next podcast on this stream we'll be back simon noughts and i next week to update you on goings on in the professional men's cricket world see you then thanks for listening Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.